The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Side Studies. Well, welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Big Daddy Carter. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was wild. Stereo. Straight out of Compton, <laughs> Ralph Hicks. Represent. And behind, <laughs> and behind the glass is Rocket Man, Andy Bishop, Picow. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Well, we, we were almost having Dudes Night. But we have Rick Carter's great friend, Miranda Bradley, in the studio. Hello, Miranda. Hi. It's so nice to have you here. Uh, Is this the first time you've ever been on a podcast? Yes. Okay. So just so you know, we're a bunch of goofs up in here. And so there's, if you feel nervous, there's no reason to. Well, she, there's, she, you just sat through that last hour. That <laughs> right? was an interview. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You, you must see the level of the room by now. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all going to hell. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't Miranda. That was Ralph. So anyway, <laughs> uh, tonight, you know, guys, uh, a while back, Sarita Edgerton led a study, a side study on the Beatitudes. Uh, and it was a song by the reversals. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but it was, it was a good one. Um, in fact, um, it released on uh, August the 17th. And so she she really gave a great introduction to the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plateau. She told us a lot about it, the differences in Matthew and, and Luke. And uh, then we worked our way through those Beatitudes. And tonight, what I wanted to do was just just have a conversation. I wanted to read some from that sermon and then just talk about it a little bit because uh, a lot of people think that what Jesus brought to the table was very new, but in a lot of ways, because he was you know, considered the Messiah by some of those people that were alive in his time, you find that a lot of the things that he's teaching actually are directly from the Old Testament. There was just a lot of things that were lost to the people at that time. So he's sort of reiterating. But there were some things that he would say, you have heard that it was said, but I say, right? Right. But he's already said it, you <laughs> see, in the Old Testament. Yeah. And so, you know, in the Old Testament, and they're living in the Old Testament times. And so I just wanted to read some of those. I'm not going to point out you know, all of them. I'm not going to read the entire sermon. No, Rick, how could that be? That's in the New Testament. Right. <laughs> how can you be in the Old Testament? How time? can that be? <laughs> so um, tonight, I'm actually going to read out of the King James Version. And I'm going to go into Matthew chapter 5. And I'm going to read a little bit, and I'm going to ask Ralph to read a little bit. Are you starting with verse 3? Uh, I'm actually, I've already, we're, I'm going to finish, we've already finished up the uh, Beatitudes so if you want to if you want to catch up, go back and and read those beatitudes. I want to start with verse thirteen. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. Remember, Sarita said he wasn't talking to the crowd. That this was an intimate discussion that he was having. The Sermon on the Mount was his disciples sitting on the ground. He was standing and he was telling them. 
right? That's the, that's the picture you get. Twelve guys in a little circle, like duck, duck, goose, and Jesus is standing there. And he says to them, ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Do you understand that in the King James? Do you understand what he's saying? I don't. That's right. So let's go to the <laughs> NASB. I did that on purpose, guys. Um, I know it because I've read it my whole life, but it gets very difficult. So I'm let's here listen to help to... when you say things like, do you understand that? Yeah, and the answer is, not, not this time. No. <laughs> so let's read it in the NASB. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. So let's let's talk about that for just a second. You are the salt of the earth. You. He's talking about the disciples. So what does he mean? I don't know, but salted earth means something completely different, I'm assuming. Yeah, so it says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless. And that's interesting, because I've always thought of salt as like, what do you use salt for? We... Flavor. You can salt flavoring, or you can yeah. preserve it. Yep. Right? You're yep. going to preserve. But he says tasteless. I don't think, I like, this is such a nitpicky thing, but salt can't become tasteless. It's just a chemical compound. It would have to change into something. Mm-hmm. Table salt's a pretty simple chemical. Yeah. Right. It'd so, have to be something else. So, what, But what Jesus is saying is that, and maybe that's true, but if the salt has had, in fact, become tasteless, then... How can it be made salty again? In other words, once it loses its saltiness, then how can you get it to, to become salty again? What is Jesus trying to say here? Have you ever thought about it? Stay in the Word, and if you get no, out of the yeah. Word, come I, back I, to the I, Word. I don't, I don't know where this is going. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. So, But he's talking to them. So what does he mean? And it's not that you're tasteless. Well, he does say go out and be salt and light. Okay, so uh, well, so he he starts with salt. He's going to yeah. get into light here in a minute. So right now he says you're going to be salt. So, you're so gonna go salt. Feed, so you're going to go salt feed them. Brings a flavor. So go feed them. Yeah, it's got a flavor to it. Okay, so it's not just bland. It's not tasteless. It has flavor, something that impacts yeah, the mouth. Yeah, you're going to feed them, and then with light, you're going to show them the way. Right. So he comes up and he says, "If you go yeah, out, yeah, but salt is in itself is not food. No, it's but it just parable. flavors the food. Yes. The idea is it's the, an enhancement. It's, it's an enhancement. It is something that brings out, like it, it's got an edge to it. Instead of tasting this bland bean, yep. I've just salted it, and it's got a good yes. flavor to it. Yep. That's why we put fat back in our beans, baby. Put the fat and the salt because right. that's it's really salty, right? Right. How, how come? How come then I have a fat front? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a fat yeah. both. So, <clears throat> so Jesus is saying you are to have that impact. You are to have that enhancement, that flavor, that something that you know packs some power. Yep. But if you don't, if you just come in and you're like blah then you've pretty much been worthless. So you hear a lot of people say, look, this is the truth. And they say, this is the truth, right? Right. And it really impacts somebody. So like, 
I'm going to say it like this. We've been doing a study on homosexuality. Now, if I go in and I say, homosexuality is wrong, the end. That That is a salty statement. You're going to get a response. Am I wrong? I, w- I was wondering if we were going to eventually end up there with salty. Okay. Right? Yeah. Salty. Yeah, salty. Okay. That's where that term really comes from is that you're being salty. You've got this this edge to you, right? Yeah, right. So he's saying that when you're going to bring my truth, when my truth starts coming out, everything he's just said, all these beatitudes, right? right? When he starts saying these, like when you start saying this, you are going to impact the world. Otherwise, you're, people are just going to walk all over you. Well, yeah. If you don't believe yeah. it, if you're not saying it like you believe it and giving it to them that way, they're just going to be, okay, whatever. Right. So... All right. Well, let's move and on if from that. Salt we... had no flavor; it would just be the food. Yeah, and it's and it's worthless, and so they're not going to use it, and so they're just going to throw it on the ground and just walk all over because they don't care. Yeah, because it's meaning it doesn't. What's the use? Right. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. I mean, it still has its value, but it to the person they it, it doesn't has have no a value at all. How would it have value if it doesn't have taste? Well, meat has value even if it doesn't have taste. So I mean, it still has oh, value. Oh, to oh, your oh. Body. he's talking about throwing the salt out, not the meat. No, that's true. He's only talking about throwing the salt out. He's not going to throw his meat out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take it easy, fellas. Yes. Yeah. Oh, All right. You are, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Does that sound pretty pretty easily understood? Yeah. I think it is too. However, you're lighting the way. You got to show them. What is the light? What's the light? Ideas. The message, right? The message, the truth. Christ says he is the light of the world. He is calling us the light of the world. So basically, we are, he says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's true, right? Yeah, unless There's you have a city, trees. You got to, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I mean, unless they had a wall. Well, because, you, you, but you'd notice a wall. Sure. So, but so he's saying, look, a city out on a hill, it, it's not going to be hidden. You're going to see the light that comes from it. If it's it. on a hill, you really don't need a wall. It attracts you to it, like a moth to a flame. Your eyes go it's, right to it, right? Song. Huh? It's a song. What song is that? I don't know. I know it though. Sounds like something that Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac would say. So, but on the so he says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. What's the point of lighting a light light and covering it? Like, what's the point? (laughs) You know, nobody does that. They must not have had lampshades back then. Of course, they didn't have electric light either. So. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works. So what's now what's he saying? It's not just what you say. It's what you do. Yes. So your light is what comes from inside. You're, you're the Go salt. Go show you're them talking. the way. Don't tell them the way. That's Go right. show them you the way. You are going to be living in a way like a city on a hill that attracts that people can see and it's not hidden and you're going to show your good works. You see, a lot of us think that because of grace that we don't have to do much and we've learned that that's not true here. 
We need to get to work. There's a lot of things that need to be done. But he says, when you show your good works, that way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now, keep in mind, there are some people that like to show their good works to get people to look and glorify themselves. Well, then oh, yeah. they've already received their glory. Then they've received their reward, yes. right? So what's what's happening is that if you are being salt, if you are being light, in each case, you're not being worthless. You are making an impact in your world. You are showing people your good works, but it's not they're not seeing you. They're seeing him. The salt right. is the telling and the light is the showing. Right. And the doing. So it takes the it takes the idea of selfishness out of the game here. We're not we really aren't thinking about ourselves. Right. We're not glorifying ourselves. We're just living up to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He also makes it a two part deal. Not right. just one. Okay. It's two parts. Show your works and glorify your father? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's both. Well, it's not just a single thing that you can do. You gotta be a two parter. It's not just a one road. It's you gotta play it both you yes. gotta be both parts of it. Exactly. You're right. Well, yeah, because he said to go out and, you know. Well, I mean, light is, is there's two different impacts to a person versus when you taste something versus seeing it. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's different impacts. So you, if you can hit them with both parts, then you're really going to win them over mm-hmm. with what you're doing. Well, that's the, and that's the, the crux of it is to win them over. Sure. The crux of it is to glorify your father. That is the idea that you're going to be bringing right, attention the, to him. But, but Jesus's number one thing to them was to go out and and and, and bring other people in. Sure. All right, let's go on. Commission. Verse seventeen. Were you finished, Ralph? Yeah. I did. Okay. Do not presume. I like this. Do not presume that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Again, bold statement. Those are big. That's a big word right there. It is. So what is he saying? That kind of word gets you killed. He says, don't presume that I came to do away with or abolish the law. So when we think, hey, when Christ died, man, he did away with it. Now, we know that it was canceled. The Bible does say that it was canceled. What was? The law. The Bible says that he canceled it. It's fulfilled. It's done. Because he fulfilled it. Yes. Therefore, it was canceled from that point on. Moses' law, right? We've had that discussion. Yep. So what? The yeah. Covenant. The chapter before this. <laughs> yeah. So you have, so in essence, what we're saying is that he's like, he, he doesn't want them to presume like, oh, guess what? We don't have to be Jews anymore. Because the law and the prophets were for the Jews, right. everybody. Yes. It wasn't for everybody else. It was right. for the Jew only. And for the... For the Israelites. And then, yes, of course, the Gentiles could come in, but they had to adopt oh, absolutely. the law they and the prophets. They basically had to become... An they a, had a, to be circumcised and to become a Jew. Yes. Right. But and they were becoming a Jew outwardly. And you yes. just lost all the Jews in the room. <laughs> <laughs> but it's but the, the point is, is like don't, don't presume that I've come to abolish everything that makes you who you are right. by following the law and the prophets. No, I didn't do that. I've come to fulfill it. In other words, he is going to do what's expected. What this, The law and the prophets are nothing more than what God has said. This is who I am, and this is how you have to be in order to reach me. This is what, it, this is what you have to be. And no man had ever been able to do it. Nope. That's why there were atonement and sacrificing 
and offering and all of these other things that were laid out in the law and the prophets in order to be able to get back to God. He said, don't presume that I've done away with this. Everything that you had to do in order to get to God is still there. I'm just going to do it. I'm the sacrifice. I'm going yeah. to do it right. for you. That's oh, yeah. pretty bold. That's And it's awesome. Yes. Yeah, I love it. Yes. It's awesome. <sighs> for truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke of a letter shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Uh, if you read it in the King James, it's not one, not one jot or one tittle shall pass away from the law. So not even a stroke, a smallest letter or a stroke of a letter shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, for some people, that that it, that um, that verse is almost as big as the one before it. Okay. Because then a lot has to happen. Until heaven and earth pass away. Yes. Yes. Yep. That's right. And he's referring specifically to his Well, if you think about law, it, if Jesus fulfilled the law— and he accomplished it in his flesh. Jesus just said that until heaven and earth pass away. You get it? So he's saying not one stroke, not one letter, or even a stroke of a pen will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Well, what is accomplished? I, I love to say this. When Jesus is on the cross, the last thing, the second to last thing that he says when he dies, it, before he dies is, it, it is, is. Finished. finished. Well, what's finished? What did he finish? The prophecy. Finished what? What did he do on the cross? What did he accomplish? Atonement. Yeah, he took the sins, yeah. Mm -hmm. He was So the he fulfilled yes. Yes. the law in his own flesh mm -hmm. by taking away sin and nailing it to the cross. That's what Paul says. So when he says heaven and earth shall not pass away and heaven and earth will pass away until blah, blah, blah. So at this point, that's where he's, that's where Rick's bringing it in. Like, hey, when he says that, because he says later, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Yes. Right. Okay. So he'll say that later. All right. 19. Well, I, I didn't know. I mean, Andy did the heaven and earth part of it. I mean, what a lot of people, at least near us, believe. Mm -hmm. When they said the heaven and earth passed away, that means pretty much the annihilation of oh, the, yeah, everything. Yeah. That's how it sounds on its face to me. Sure. Oh, of course. I mean, the, yeah. the the common belief, especially in the Southern Baptist Church, and Miranda, you might be able to speak to this as well because you come from that background, is that we, we've always been taught that there will become a day when the the earth and the universe will be destroyed and then a, a new one will be made, right? Yes. Yeah, so if you have this belief that that's what it means, if you go back and you read the Old Testament and you learn something like, wait a minute, my understanding of what heaven and earth is isn't about the universe anymore. That's not what he's talking about. What is heaven and earth exactly? So if you hear somebody say that, it can be very confusing. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it can be, right? And so unless you are an avid, avid studier of the Old Testament— we would never be able to see that. And that's what we've had to do in here is we've had to actually had to do some hard work. We've had to read a lot All of it. to understand it, like, and look at it from different perspectives, you know, and that's one of them. And that's why Rick brings it up, which, you know, is sometimes it's hard to hear for some. It is. So, all right. 
Verse 19, therefore, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he should be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So is he talking about those people in his time or is he talking about us? Again, it's all about timing in this regard. I I get that. And I, and I'm, I'm, I mean, that's not an argument that you and I can have because we're on the same page. I think it's him and the people they're teaching. He's talking to them about going out and teaching. And this is, this is, this is the future. Yeah. So if he, so he's looking at them, he's like, don't think. So the law is still in place yeah. until all is accomplished, right? The law is still in place. So therefore, you disciples who are sitting here listening to me, because I'm not talking to the crowd, I'm talking to you, the Jews, right. the apostles. Right. Whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So he was like, you don't, the law is not done and you don't do away with it. You're still going to do your sacrifices. You're still going to be a Jew. You're still going to do all these things until all is accomplished. Unless if you're hearing today that the you and the we is including you right. and, and me. Yeah. And that's that's how we read it. It's like a newspaper, right? Yes. We think, oh, he's talking to us. But he's also sending them out. To teach other people. So, you know, they've got to teach the other people what he's saying. Okay, so, too, so let me ask you this question. So let's talk about this for a second. Whoever yep. nullifies one of the least of these commandments, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments, okay? What day is the Sabbath? Well, back then it was, you're talking the Jewish Sabbath? When is the Jewish Sabbath? Yeah. Fr- when is Shabbat? Friday night. Friday night to Saturday night. Yep. Sundown. To sundown, correct. Friday yeah. night, correct? Mm-hmm. That is the Shabbat. That is Saturday. Yet today, we worship on Sundays. Yes. Southern Baptists, well, we the, worship on Sundays. The Jews right. don't, but... No, the Jews don't, the Adventists don't. There's other groups that don't. However, if you nullify the least of these commandments, and the Sabbath is a big one. The Sabbath is in the Ten Commandments. <laughs> right. Right. So it says, remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Right. So if you are going to change the date of your Sabbath. Then you have to you broke change it. the law. But what you, gives them the right to do that? Nothing. The fulfillment. Bam. That's the only way. Well, you're but right what is that. fulfilled? You see, and that's where the questions right, lie, 100%, you see? 100%. And that's the point of trying so if to... You're gonna, so if we want to hold to this law, like we're going to read this like he meant it for us, then if we start nullifying the law, then we're basically saying that Jesus fulfilled it. If we don't nullify it, then we're saying Jesus did not fulfill it. It is not complete yet. We're waiting for it to be fulfilled in the future. So we start dissecting the Bible and we start saying, this is fulfilled and this isn't. We're waiting on this and this is, that's what happens, right? And they're being taught was, well, heaven and earth hasn't passed away. He just said it. Right. In the verse before that. It didn't go away yet. So what? Let's let's think of another law. The Sabbath was a big one. So let's let's think of one of the least of these commandments. What would it be? What's another least commandment? That um, what you know you, you have to sacrifice two pigeons for your your atonement. Which law? Ceremonial law or moral law? Which one's he talking about? The yeah, commandments. Every one. <laughs> The 613 commandments and the ramifications of all of the law. Every bit of it. Because what did he say? Not even one One. letter or the stroke of a pen will pass away. So whoever teaches to do, you know, to nullify this, 
will be considered the least in the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, at, he's talking to them. Um, 100%. 100%. He's talking to them. That's the that's the relevance to that audience. It's them he's 100%. talking to. Correct, he's talking to them. But before the, before the fulfillment, they're still talking to other people. They are not allowed to nullify the law during the time until all is fulfilled. Correct. That's what Jesus is e- teaching Exactly, them. but he's not only talking to them, he's talking to them about the people that they're talking to when he's not around. Right. In other words, and this is going to sound Southern and Hickbo, hey, man, you got to keep him Ten Commandments. Now, listen, if somebody tells you to do that, and they teach you this, like, hey, man, you got to keep these commandments. You got to. Uh, but you don't have to keep that one because that's the least of them. So that's not a big deal. Well, yeah, but you don't. Yeah, but you, but you, you gotta, go to church on Sunday. It's all right, man. And even in church, they, they teach you about the Ten Commandments, but they don't teach you about all the other laws. Yeah. Well, they teach you the Ten Commandments, but they don't follow them. But neither, well, they don't follow the Ten, much less the, the other 500 or 600 that's there that you've never even heard of. Yeah. The you 603. Gotta, based on this here, if it applies to us today, we're not following a lot of. Well, that's 600 the point. is a lot of things to ask me to not do. <laughs> I got, and you want to know something that's interesting? The Apostle Paul said that he was guilty of very little. He held to the law. Like he was very strict on himself. Yes. Dietary restrictions. Pharisee of a he Pharisees. Wouldn't, he wouldn't even mix certain fabrics because the Bible said so. You know, he wouldn't walk on a Tuesday. Well, I mean, whatever the Bible said. Yes. Or their Bible said. But the point that I'm trying to make is that. We have nullified in America, predominantly, especially the Baptist Church, the commandment of the Sabbath, because the Sabbath is the seventh day, yep. and the seventh day is Friday sundown to Saturday night sundown, Right. and the beginning of the week begins on Sunday. Now, the Bible says that, and they got together on the Lord's Day. Now, do I think that we should worship on a Saturday? No, I don't, because I've already taught this. I've taught this in the past. I've said that the Sabbath was the only commandment that Christ never taught. The other nine were. Yes. But the Sabbath was not. Why? Because Christ is our Sabbath rest. And it's every day. And Paul later on says, I do not have anyone, don't let anybody hold you to these new moon celebrations or to the Sabbaths. Yes. Why? Because Christ Christ had fulfilled these things. Right. So now that we understand that, we can look back and say, he's not talking to us. He's not talking to us right now. I'd so let's go say on. say in most instances, he's not talking to us because we're not there. <laughs> I mean, well, But there on. are I, things that do apply but there, of course, to the there kingdom are life. people that hear us that don't necessarily believe that. Yes. And, I'm not and, to, I'm, and, and that doesn't mean that I'm a preterist. It just means that there are certain things that make sense. <laughs> With predators, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> hey! Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me read something. Okay. Or predator, right? And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna predatorist, mispron- and I'm gonna mispronounce the second word in this just for Rick, so Sweet. he can feel like he's Which right. Which one? The preterite tells you precisely when something happened in the past, while the imperfect tells you in general terms. When an action took place with no definite ending. The preterite. <laughs> <laughs> that was for you, my friend. I love it. Oh, yeah. So, well, I know that, hey, Sarita taught us what the preterite of sentence was. That's right. Remember? Yes. I forgot. Not, it in ter- not, yeah, 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 not I know. entirely. Just always remember it's the past. Always. It's in the past. It was preterite to us. So let's keep on. All right. So he says, whoever nullifies one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Where's the kingdom of heaven? 
we are living in the kingdom of heaven. Where is the kingdom of heaven? It's not the sky? (laughs) Well, my point is is that when you start talking about time statements and and dividing lines, where did kingdom of heaven start? Because Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is in you. It does not come by observation. It's within you. Yes. So what's he talking about? He's brought up this word kingdom of heaven. So this is a spiritual place. This is not a place on earth, but it's within us while we're on, on the earth. earth. We yes. are living in the kingdom. It's a realm. Yes. It's a different thing. Okay? So he's saying, keep the law. So how do you do that? You know how? Christ Stay in, in your house and don't Christ think. Christ in you. <laughs> Everything that Jesus is saying, is gonna, he's going to lead you to the fact that he is in you. Christ in you. That's how all of these things are fulfilled. That's how you're in the kingdom of heaven. And you keep it. If you're great in the kingdom of heaven, how are you great? Because he's fulfilled the law. Yes. And he did it for you. And where is he at? In you. Bam. So you got it. Bam. What else do you want oh, here? All you got to do is accept him. That's right. Verse 20. For I Let, say then, to you, and they don't say accept him by just accept Jesus. They said accept Jesus into your life. Yeah, it's, it, the idea isn't to. Well, I accept that he was alive and that he was here and that he was a decent man. It's I'm going to adopt everything that he says and I'm going to put all my full faith and trust in him for my life. That's what a believer does. And ask him to come into me and change me. That's right. Verse twenty. For I say to you that unless your righteousness far surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So, all of you preachers that have to wear suits and ties and don't like it when others don't, remember, you're acting no different than a Pharisee. How'd you like that? What did Jesus wear? Where did Jesus preach? He had a really nice necktie. And to whom did he he preach? Yeah. Sandals sandals and nothing. <laughs> it's very forward. My you know, that may seem a little judgmental, but I have been around a lot of old timey pastors that believe that you should wear a suit and a tie and you should look presentable and this is the way you should look for God. That's what the Pharisees did. They walked around looking a specific way and got people to look at them to think in a specific way. That's fine if you want to wear your Sunday dress and it be your Sunday best. That's fine. But if it gets too far. If it gets to the point where you feel like people are looking at you and judging you or that you don't look good enough for God, then you have missed the boat completely. Your righteousness must surpass the Pharisees. What did he say to the Pharisees? You are like whitewashed tombs. Whoa, Pharisees. Woe to you. Woe to you. You strain out a net and you swallow a camel. camel. You point at the splinter in your neighbor's eye and you miss the fact that you've got a board in yours. Right? You have this beautiful washing cup, but inside is just bleh. Yep. You're garbage. It's not what goes into the man that defiles the man. It's what comes out of the man right. that defiles the man. That's why I like in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, he says, which of these cups would a carpenter have? Which uh, of these yeah. cups would Jesus have? They yeah, go for the always big a old thing with all the jewels on. That's not what Jesus said. Give me this thing. This is what works. Yep. That was good. I forgot about that. So if your righteousness, he says, unless your righteousness far surpasses, far surpasses. And I mean, they were at the top already. They were already the elite rulers. Yes. But it has to. Yeah, but they were hypocrites. But it doesn't matter. A lot of them were. What gets you far surpassed? 
the most elite. The only one thing that's perfection, and that's taking and Jesus into you, boom, and allowing His yes. forgiveness. It always to comes cover back. You in the blood. yes, it always comes back to the Lord. And without Him, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. You get it. You will not enter. Yeah. All right. Verse twenty-one. Still not a full preterist. <laughs> you know what? That is that is your problem. So verse 21, <laughs> you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not murder, and whoever commits murder shall be answerable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be answerable to the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be answerable to the Supreme Court, and whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think of that? I think that he's saying that nobody can be that perfect, so you need me. So he's saying, okay, so you the guilt is murder, right? Um, so Yeah, but in the next one he says, even if you think of such a thing. Let's talk about somebody that came and gave the law. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount is basically Jesus giving his law. Who in the Israelite history did that for them? Moses. Moses. Okay. Did Moses ever murder? Oh, yeah. And covered it up. He did. Literally. Oh, yeah. Buried him in sand. Yes, he did. <laughs> I think that was just in the movie Ten Commandments. I'm not sure if that was biblical. <laughs> Charlton Heston running across the desert is hilarious. I wish I could show you, but I can't. It's a podcast. Anything Charlton Heston does is instantly biblical. I love my uh, when hey, he when canonical. he sees hey. yeah, yes. how he says it to, when he talk he sees the bush and he's like, "Behold, a bush, yet it does not burn." <laughs> you know his real name is Charlton Carter. Is it really? Hundred percent. I don't believe you. Uh, that's Heston is a stage name. Really? Yes. Well, well Big Daddy Heston. Carter, do you blame him? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, wah, wah, wah. Carter, really. so if you yes. think about no relation though, sadly. Uh, <laughs> so if you think about what Jesus is saying, you've heard that it's said, do not murder. But I say to you that if you hate your brother. Hmm. That you've already done it. That you've already committed it. So Pretty this high is, standard. I'm telling you right now, Andy, he's getting to the heart of the matter. Without a doubt. Because prior to murder is the very thing. It's the hatred. It's, premed it's yeah. premeditated. It's That's right. In order so, for you to do it, you premeditated he's it. He's showing you heart. that the guilt that yes. you would have in front of a court is... The only reason you're there is because the first thing is what got you there. It's the hate towards your brother. Saying these things like, you fool. Whatever that is that brings out that rage that could eventually lead, which is what happened to Moses. Right? Powerful stuff, man. He's getting to the heart of the matter. That's a song. Who sings that? The angels. How does it go? It's time to, to get back to the heart of the matter. Is that it? That's it. That's Eagles. All right. Wow. All right. That, that was, was pretty good. No, really. I, I, I'm blushing. Better than I could have Verse done. 23. <laughs> Therefore, 
If you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar, and go first, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Let me ask you a question. Are you guys actually presenting offerings today? I wonder how far that statement goes back to well, my cats. Hey, they even talk. I, I, yes. I remember. I remember <laughs> in the church saying, your "Wipe, wipe your feet of your sin on the outside before you come in." If I wonder if that goes back to Cain and Abel. What that statement? The murder. Well, if and you, after giving an offering, if you have a problem, because Cain had a problem with his brother. Mm-hmm. And it, you should go. I've never thought of it that way, but that's good. Like go and reconcile. Yeah. Don't go and hit him in the head with, with a rock. A rock. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then lie about because it. Because that was a part of his, the, the reason that Cain was, he, he failed at the offering. Yeah. Because what was in his heart. Yeah. And it was, you know, the disdain. I mean, it's quite possible. But I, I think that what Jesus is doing here, you know. Again, that's speculation, but that. Well, I think it was more envy than it was anger. I mean, I think he was angry tried for what it. he did, but I think he was envious of who well, he was I mean, to his father. Well, I mean, we did, we, and then we talked about the pseudepigraphical works in, a, in the past episode, and that's kind of, you. it kind of delves in with the book of book of Adam and Eve. It, it kind of delves into the what was going on between them two, and and there was a lot of, lot of disdain, kind of wrongly to some extent, but. Well. Well, the two, that's one of the things that people don't and understand and, and don't think about is you know, they were just the first two kids. <laughs> there weren't just two. So, right, right. <laughs> show, me, show me a way that you could apply this today. Because I'm just going to be honest with you. A Baptist altar. Oh, my God. Just, a just, Baptist altar in the church is not at, the altar. Just look okay? at Snapchat or TikTok or Facebook, and you can see that everywhere. Right. But I'm just saying, how do you apply what he's saying? How do we apply what Jesus is saying? If you have a problem against your brother, then go. You don't Leave take it you, to that altar. Don't bring your gift to the altar. In other words, so, so I'm don't gonna, come I'm gonna to me. An, I'm going to give you an example, and I'm not patting myself on the right. back because I have to do this a lot, meaning I'm not very good. So I recently uh, called somebody on the phone, um, and, and I, I didn't really do anything wrong. I just I barked once, but they were around, and just to make sure that the family stays the family – a lot of times I'll just pick up the phone and say, hey, I know there was a lot going on and that's no excuse. And I know I barked and if they, you were offended by that, I'm sorry. And she said, no, things are all good. They're all good. But I do know they appreciate that. And I know that that takes some of the simmering that I know sometimes goes on uh, around. And I think we can do that with other people too, because those things come on Facebook. There's no reason why we can't instant message someone and say, you know what I just said? Uh, came off a little bit harsh, and I didn't mean it that harsh, and I'm sorry. So we could go just defuse all of the bombs that we've set off ourselves. Sure. But it also has an impact for you, right? Um, I don't think it does. I mean, maybe it maybe it does subliminally, but I don't think it does because I feel that's the way I'm supposed to be. And if, I, think it, I think it does for me if I don't do it. Well, that's, again, the impact. The impact of you... I mean, you maybe you may do it more than you think you do. You may more apologize more than you you probably think you do in some uh, cases. I probably don't do it enough, but yeah. <laughs> I, 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 but I, I know that a, if I don't do it, if I know that if I if I think I should and I don't, then I have a then then there's yeah, an impact to me. Right. But if I think I should, usually I just do it. Right. And that's and it is an impactful thing. You you've let go of something you're holding on to. Right. If you think okay, so when he says that. 
don't bring your gift to the altar. And that altar would be... What is the so the for the Old Testament? It's the altar where you yeah, bring well, your gift to the altar. It's a gift to God. Yeah. It's the offering yeah, that but you are wa- to make. He wants a pure offering, and a pure offering is, is you've taken care. So of So apply your business. it. So what you just said is a way to apply that. Yes. So what you're what he's saying is, don't come to me with your gift. Don't come to me with your goods. Your guilt. Not your guilt, but your goods, and maybe the guilt. That's what you give an offering yeah. for. Right. Yeah. But if you if you bring it to me, don't do it. Until you've gone and reconciled with your brother, absolutely. Well, we so, also, we also sometimes have the the misunderstanding that if we're giving it, if we give it to God, then we can just let go of it, and God will, in return, back channel that to where the the fault is. It does. You, it does sound a little bit like he's saying, "Hey, hey go solve your problems, dummy. Well, yeah, yeah, keep your own house in You're order." Right. Let me ask you this. You're right, Andy. Are you allowed to hold a grudge? No. Does anybody know anybody in church that does? Oh, my gosh. Is there anyone at church that doesn't? <laughs> no, because I'm holding a grudge at a few people right now. No, but the idea here is that yeah, if you I have a— It's hard to leave your—it's hard to let your grudges go. It's hard. To, I have uh, someone in my life who has really wronged me, mm-hmm. uh, and it has affected my family. And every now and then, just on a whim— because I know that their life is... I drive to her house and I smack her in the mouth. Yeah, no. no <laughs> I, I, I call on the phone and say, how are you doing? Yeah. I, I understand things are still rough and if there's anything I can do. They sent me a thing back and said, uh, thank you. Um, uh, how's your mom? I forgot to ask. And you've always... Something you've, you've always been nice or there's always been a nice thing in you. So this is... It is just... Some people need our help, and some people can't do this on their own, and they need us to encourage them. Or yeah, exactly. It's just be humble, like Rick was saying earlier. Just be humble, and that's also an effect. I, like I'm always telling you, I'm not afraid of going to heaven. I know I'm probably going to be standing at the back. I'm afraid of being shown the people I missed. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm afraid of, you know? That's what do you it. think, Andy, non-theist, what do you think? <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm, I'm direct not, question he's to He's laughing because I sort of did a half-hearted dab. He did, yeah. <laughs> yes, he did. I, that's, I was going to say, thanks, Andy. Uh, so what do you think, what do you think Jesus is trying to get at here? Uh, what I've heard, what, there's another verse in the Bible that feels very similar that I don't, can't think of, but it's like, you know, clean your own house or something like that. Yeah, but yeah. So if you That's when he was referring to the temple. Yeah, what do you think? Oh, oh. Like what do you oh, think he means by it? He's, I'm not going to solve your problems, buddy. You I'm not going to I'm no, not going to trade your sacrifices for I'm not going to trade your your deer skin for a good relationship with your brother, as it were. Yeah, praying to me doesn't absolve yeah. you of, of, right. of right. Go, still going go, and go making things little, right. Go fix your problems. I'm not going yeah. to go apologize for you. Exactly. Yeah. I am not the person you wronged. Pay your bill. An atheist doesn't have anybody telling them to do that, okay? They have themselves. They have what they've learned, the morality that they've been taught or the morality they've come from within themselves or how they've learned to act within the group. But not all of them have that same morality, no, Everybody is different, not. right? Yeah, sure. So I think that the principle that Jesus is teaching here is a good one. 
I think he's telling us, don't come to God with the offering to, to make your gift to me. Your gift to me, actually, is to go and fix it with your brother. Right. That's the gift. If you'll do that, then your gift to me is acceptable. I want what you have to get. In other words, I want you to get along with those around you. Yes. That's the gift. Even Andy. Even me. Yeah. That's a good lesson. Yeah. yeah. That's a good, that's a, that's the sort of lesson you could stand behind no matter who you are. Yeah. And I think that that's why the Judeo Christian ethic made its way as far as it did. And I think that's why it's so entrenched in our culture, is because it's a good way to live, to yeah. try to get along with your brother. I've told to try- so many people who don't believe that you, in the Bible that look, if for nothing else, use it as a book of life because there is no other one. But this one gives you all of the principles. They're all laid out how to save your money, how to get along with people, how to get ahead, how to everything is there. It's all laid out for you. Yes, it, it is. It tells you it how... is the book of life. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was thinking the book of love. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote the book of love? All right, so let's let's finish this up with this last one, and then you guys, we're going to come back to this. I want to keep going through this Sermon on the Mount and having these conversations, and I'm not allowing Sarita and Cherry to come ever again. It's Miranda only. Miranda said yes twice. Yes. So, you think she's a crazy. talkative one, isn't she? I, I, as a professional, I will say, very nice voice. Yes, she actually has a good, very nice she's got voice. Got a podcast. You voice. could do, uh, you could do, you could do voiceover work if you had the, the, the urge to try. Thank you. <laughs> will See? you will you do voiceover work for us? I would think about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, that's a I like it. That's I got a sound start. booth. Yeah. You can practice. Yeah. I love it. Here we go. She gets told all the time how sweet and kind she is. Yes. I can see that. You got a very yeah. uh, sweet demeanor. And very calming voice. They've both been smiling at each other an awful lot, though. All right. Verse 25. Come to good terms with your accuser. Quickly, while you are with him on the way to court, so that your accuser will not hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer, and you will not be thrown into prison. Truly, I say to you, you will not come out of there until you have paid up the last dollar or quadrant. I don't know what that means. Penny. Last penny. So... What is he saying here? Come to good terms with your accuser quickly. Now, somebody is accusing you. He didn't say if he was falsely accusing you. He just said if somebody's accusing you. So what is the application here? It just sounds like he's saying, stay out of court if you can. Your life's going to be yeah, easier. Yeah, that's something that America has forgotten. We immediately go to court. That's <laughs> like, I'm suing you, pal. That's what we do. Lawsuits are for people with money. My favorite show is Suits. I love that show. <laughs> oh, that was a good show. It's a great. I, I still like watch. It's show. like the number two show in America again really? on Netflix. What are people watching ah. it again? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh, yeah, they brought it back and it's huge again. And so now they're gonna re. They're gonna reboot it. They're gonna reboot it up and out of here. All right. So look here. So. While you are with him on the way to court. So he's saying, your accuser is suing you and you're on your way to court. Try to work it out and settle it. So the the lesson here is that a really good law lawyer is going to try to settle out of court. Yeah. Settle it. 
Find a way to settle it with your Go accuser. Settle your differences. So that your accuser will not hand you over to the judge. So now he's like, here you go, judge. This guy did such and such. Now the judge has to be in it. Now you've got a second person and now that's going to hear the story. And now we're going to cut that baby in half. And we're, yeah, and talk <laughs> about it. And then the judge says, all right, go to the officer. All right. Now, I want you to notice the very end of this, he talks about you will pay the last penny. So your accuser, it almost sounds like it's somebody that thinks that you've wronged them financially. You get it? It, because he talks about money in the end. Yeah, so it's almost way. like he's saying, look, if somebody comes at you and says, hey, I think that you owe me such and such, or I think you took from me and this is what you... He says, try to settle it and say, I'm sorry. What do you mean? What are you talking about? Right? Well, try to settle it, but that doesn't mean give in. And if you're not wrong... But um, if you are going to go to court, he's saying if you go to court, get ready because you're going to pay the last penny, up to the last penny on this one. So the effort... Notice what he says. Come to good terms with your accuser quickly while you're with him on the way to court. He wants you to do that. Well, again, I said this is the book of life. This is what's telling you how to do things. This, yes. this, this, this book tells you, whether you believe it or not, and I think you should, but th there is every life lesson in here. And that is a great life lesson is, you know, on your way to court or the day before, the week before, whatever, go sit down and, and hey, you know, before we end up going to court and both of us paying the lawyers for everything, yeah, is there a way we can meet in the middle? Right. You know, what is this? I don't think I did this. You think I did. I, I don't think What's the lesson is about the litigation. The lesson is about human relations. Yes. Absolutely. That's yeah, where it's, it's at. Not, it's not a warning about lawyers. No, That's, no. But it's, you know. it not only is it about human relations, but it's the way that God wants you to relate to one another in order to relate with him. He's telling right. you, if you want to know me and follow me, then you're going to relate to your fellow man in this way. This is what I want from you. Yeah. So if I see that you're doing that to fellow man, then I know that we're going to be able to do that together as well. See what I mean? Yeah. God is looking for a relationship, and he's telling you how to do it with the people beside you. And he said, if you do it to the least of these, and you've done it unto me. Bam. That's what's, even better. I sound like Emerald. You <laughs> yeah, I think it's the of my brother. That's what you do unto me. Well, I think we should stop right there. Because we've solved Perfect. it. Perfect. That was really good. Miranda, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was cool. Did, was this I want to know. These guys must be friends because they keep yeah. looking back and forth and laughing. So there's got to be a personal well, joke or something we don't know that they're these just two? laughing about. Well, oh, he yeah. brought her up from town. I mean, they, yeah, they're friends. Oh, yeah. oh you guys it. are friends. Okay, yeah. that makes sense yeah. then. Because every now and then they'll look and they'll they'll both start laughing. I'm like, okay, so there's an inside <laughs> yeah. joke. I think here. I think she's she's just nervous and they're both having a little a little chuckle at the circumstance yes. yeah. of her being nervous about the mic. Yeah. I think. Yes. No, but I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you're, you're yeah, always welcome. And you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Yes. Unless we have a full crew of 10 people and Andy will shoot no, me no, through I the glass. You can sit <laughs> on the floor. On the floor, Indian style in the middle of the room. <laughs> the problem is I can only put about that many we sets should of do headphones a, in here more than anything. We should do That's a podcast many... session in the state, like bluegrass session. Put the mic right there and I'll surround the omnidirectional. Yeah, we can do know. it. Or not, is it Omni? Yeah, yeah Omni. Crowd around the mic. You just got to like, then you really got to remember, if you're going to whisper for effect, you got to get in and you're going to guffaw. You got to get away. Otherwise, you will kill the listeners. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> well, before I let you guys go, uh -oh. I found this cool thing, guys. I'm going to read it to is you. It, is it a joke? 
We haven't had a well, joke in a while. It is. And it's kind of a joke. All right. So I I didn't know that it was a joke when I read it, but it's I think you might like this, Andy. So it says the following is an actual question that was given on a University of Washington advanced chemistry midterm. The answer by one student was considered so profound that the professor shared it with his colleagues on the internet, which is, of course, why we are now reading it. This is true. It was a bonus question at the end of a study of exothermic versus endothermic. Mm -hmm. And it's the question is, is hell exothermic, which means gives off heat, Uh or endothermic, which means absorbs heat? So most of the students wrote proofs of their beliefs using Boyle's Law, which is gas cools when it expands and heats when it is compressed, or some variant. One student, however, wrote the following. (laughs) First, we need to know how the mass of hell is changing in time. So we need to know the rate at which souls are moving into hell and the rate at which they are leaving. (laughs) I think that we can safely assume that once a soul gets to hell, it will not leave. Therefore, no souls are leaving. As for how many souls are entering hell, let's look at the different religions existing in the world today. Most of the religions state that if you are not a member of their religion, you will go to hell. Since there are more than one of these religions, and since people do not belong to more than one religion, we can project that all souls go to hell. With birth and death (laughs) rates as they are, we can expect the number of souls in hell to increase exponentially. Now, we look at the rate of change of the volume in hell because Boyle's Law states that in order for the temperature and pressure in hell to stay the same, the volume of hell has to expand proportionally as souls are added. This gives two possibilities. One, if hell is expanding at a slower rate than the rate at which souls enter hell, then the temperature and pressure in hell will increase until all hell breaks loose. (laughs) Two, if hell is expanding at a rate faster than the increase of souls in hell, then the temperature and pressure will drop until hell freezes over. So which is it? If we accept the postulate given to me by Teresa during my freshman year that it will be a cold day in hell before I sleep with you and take into account the fact that I slept with her last night, then number two must be true, and thus I am sure that hell is exothermic and has already frozen over. The corollary of this theory is that since hell is frozen over, it follows that it is not accepting any more souls and is therefore extinct, leaving only heaven, thereby proving the existence of a divine being, which explains why last night Teresa kept shouting his name. (laughs) The bottom says, hilariously, the professor only gave this student an A. Nice. I don't know if it's true, but it's the internet and it's got to be true. It doesn't matter if it's it's true for someone. It's very smart. Yeah. I don't know if it's true or false. It's funny either way. (laughs) Well, Big Daddy Carter. Oh, yeah. Thanks for being here, Ralph. Represent. Andy. Hello. Thanks so much. And Miranda, again. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome anytime. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Peace out. out. Later. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.